Hello, my friends. Welcome to the School for Good Living podcast. This is a solo episode. It's just you and me and my producer, Dallin. Dallin, you want to say anything? I love hearing you talk through these things. I think you care a lot about what you're sharing with people. If anyone could see behind the the screen here as you prep on it, they'd be like, this guy cares about what he's putting out there. So I, I enjoy what you share, and uh, I I uh, love being here to listen. So, Well, thanks, Dallin, and thank yeah. you for your help. Um, well, there's my um again. Dallin called me on the ums. <laughs> we all have these verbal tics, and that's part of being a coach is helping people see things they don't see inside themselves. So one of my intentions for this interview is to catch my ums and ahs. And my invitation to you, dear listener, is what's in your blind spot? that it would serve you if you became aware of and if you made the conscious determination not only to eliminate it, but to perhaps replace it with something that would not only enhance your quality of life, but enhance your contribution to others. Isn't that an interesting question? Okay, well, that's a lot for whatever you're doing right now, shoveling snow or raking leaves or, uh, oh, there's my... uh. (laughs) (laughs) exercising, whatever you're doing. I'm going to have some of those. And as the former perfectionist I once was, I'm not going to worry too much about that. I hope you'll forgive me if I lapse into that. My commitment is to not do it anymore. Okay. With that out of the way, let's start with this idea. Abraham Maslow once said, what a man can be, he must be. A musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write if he is to be ultimately at peace with himself. So, what is it that you must be? Do you know? Do you have a sense? I'm still figuring it out for myself. I think that's part of the journey of being human. I also love this thought by Jacques Cousteau when he says, When one man, for whatever reason, has the opportunity to lead an extraordinary life, He has no right to keep it to himself. Well, if I'm honest, I think we all live an extraordinary life. I think that every life is fascinating if we could see it at its most granular, if we could see what's going on inside the hearts and minds of the people around us. If we really knew uh, what was happening, they're all fantastic. And at the same time, there are some lives that seem to be more extraordinary for whatever reason. Uh, There's an uh. (laughs) I was aware. That's the process of learning, right? Well, in many ways, I feel that I am blessed or cursed. Isn't that the Chinese proverb? May you be blessed to live in interesting times. I feel that I am, in fact, blessed to live an extraordinary life for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of the foremost of which is by virtue of the family into which I was born, the Miller family here in Salt Lake City, Utah, where my parents have been incredibly successful entrepreneurs, have built an amazing group of companies over four decades with the help of a lot of smart and dedicated, talented people. And I remember going to a Summit Series event maybe six or seven years ago, and I would meet people and I would say, what are you up to? And they would say things like, I'm writing a book with Jay-Z or I'm Christina Aguilera's producer or Katy Perry's producer, or I produce Burning Man. 
<laughs> you know, there's if you've been to a summit event, you know, there's some people, you know, saving coral reefs or reducing inner city violence and doing all this amazing stuff that I believe is improving the quality of life on Earth and probably enjoyable for those people. Uh, you would think I know no day seems to be full of sunshine and rainbow rainbows, nor are they supposed to be. I don't know what they're supposed to be, but when they would then ask me, what are you doing? You know, who are you? What are you up to? And my response would be like, oh, you know, my parents are really successful entrepreneurs. And I felt so, I don't know, lame. <laughs> you know, that was, that was it. And I could see that I didn't have for myself what I thought was an interesting identity, an interesting professional identity. There wasn't something that I was responding with that felt like an authentic expression of who I am, who I want to be you know, the contribution I want to make. So I thought on that and I thought on that and is often the case in life. You know, we learn what we want by getting clear what we don't want. And it's so easy. Generally, it's easy to say what we don't want. It can be very hard to say what we do want, especially when there's a infinite number of choices, a seemingly infinite number of possibilities available to us. How do we know? Reminds me of a time, uh, you know, my dad talked to me about before he passed away when it was just as the USSR was dissolving and he was host to some Russian business people. They came, I don't know why they came to Salt Lake, but they did. And he took him to the mall and, you know, it was hard for them to fathom the, what do you call it? The development, the variety, the quality, you know, the number of products that were available in a mall. And he took him into a footlocker. And he said that they could each choose a pair of shoes and they just sat there, you know, and he's talking to them through a translator and he can tell there's some hesitation and he's thinking, well, maybe this is, you know, they don't want to accept, you know, me spending this money on them, which of course, if you do the conversion, like it's a lot of money in rubles and, and this, and, uh, he says to the translator, he's like, what's going on? And uh, translator talks to one of them, comes back to my dad and says, they said, how do you choose? <laughs> you know, when the state, when your government tells you what you will do for a living, where you will live, you know, these kinds of things, what you will believe when you have freedom, how do you choose? And someone once suggested to me that each of us will find something to govern us. If we don't learn to govern ourselves, whether it's a chemical, a substance, a spouse, a warden, you know, perhaps, perhaps our penitentiaries are full of people who didn't learn to govern themselves. I'm not sure. I've seen that in my own life. So at any rate, how can we learn what we want, what we're committed to, uh, and live this, what I believe will be a unique expression and hopefully an enjoyable one. In other words, how can we find our purpose? Man, that got deep pretty quick, didn't it? Well, you know, Lao Tzu says, uh, how's he say it? He talks about to do is to be. The secret of doing is being, if there's a secret. So this idea of what we want to accomplish is inextricably linked with who we are, who we know ourselves to be. You know, it reminds me of what Tony Robbins says about the strongest force in human psychology is the need to remain consistent with who one knows oneself to be. We'll continue to behave in ways that are consistent or congruent with our identity. So then this question of how do we shape our identity, you know, beyond what we inherited 
from the time and place and family and circumstances that we were, in, you know, into which we were born. And uh, I think that's an eminently useful question, can be challenging, you know, reminds me of what Terrence McKenna said. You know, the challenge is not finding the answers. The challenge is facing the answers very often, you know, and again, especially when you know you have your answers inside you, do you have, first of all, do you have the belief that you do? Because if you don't believe that you have them inside you, I don't think you're likely to find them. But say you now have the belief that you do, do you have the courage to ask that question? And say you have the courage to ask the question, now do you have the fortitude to face the answer that you got? And by face it, I mean to live it, you know, to really live that authentically, boldly, and realizing that in every moment, you as the author and creator of your life's experience, you get to, to change that if you want. And, you know, it's often said that we teach what we need to know. So here I am in a sound booth in the basement of an office tower in Sandy, Utah, uh, on, oh, did you hear that? I rolled that one into a, on, <laughs> on a, was this a Tuesday afternoon in December of 2019. And this is something that I'm still confronting. Who am I? What do I want? Why am I here? These kinds of things. And in fact, I made the decision to change my name this June. And I was in a sweat lodge in a ceremony. In, and it was not a plant ceremony. This is not, this is not peyote. This is not ayahuasca. This is a sweat lodge, you know, traditional Lakota ceremony in the high desert of New Mexico. And it was Father's Day. I'll always remember looking out the door. I had the seat facing the west, looking at the sun. I'm sorry, the moon. It was a full moon. Incidentally, I've checked my chart, not my astrological chart, just the, although I have done that too, I'll admit. I checked, I was born under a full moon. Have you ever looked to see? I don't know what it means. It means whatever you make it mean, I think. I think it's interesting. But again, here I am in the sweat lodge. It's a full moon as it was 40 something years ago when I was born physically into this world. And if you've done a sweat lodge, or I suppose even if you haven't, you know, one of the things it's meant to represent is, is birth. That you go into the darkness, you go into the warmth, you have an intention. I think we probably have an intention when we come into this existence. And I had been thinking about changing my name for a long time before that. Uh, I remember when I went to a training in Chicago a few years ago, and I don't even know where this idea came from. You might do the same thing where something comes to mind one day. It's like, where did that come from? I don't know where this idea came from. But I thought, I'm going to change my name to Brian Banana. Because nobody could possibly take me seriously if I introduced myself as Brian Banana. You know, it'd just be an interesting and immediate way to create rapport, maybe to create interest, you know, open up something beyond the, you know, to be memorable, you know, these things beyond Brian Miller. It's a great name, pretty common. So I had this idea a few years ago, like many things, you know, I put it on the shelf, didn't act on it. There I am a few years later sitting in the sweat lodge in, in New Mexico and for some reason that I don't have a clear understanding of, I thought I am leaving the sweat lodge with a new name. Now, it wasn't Brian Banana, but I said, I'm, I'm going to. This is it. And when I walk out of here, crawl out of here, crawl out of a sweat lodge, I will be a different person, which is literally true. We're always a different person. You know, I love this saying that we are more like rivers than statues. We're constantly in flux. Or this saying that uh, no man can stand in the same river twice because when he comes back, it's a different river and he's a different man. 
So all of life is in this constant dynamic flow. It is literally true that I'll leave the sweat lodge as a different person no matter what. And I thought I'm leaving with a new name. So I think I might have been thinking about this name before, but I made the decision. I said, you know, I'm going to leave this sweat lodge and my name will be brilliant. So I made the decision. I left the sweat lodge. I came home. The next week was my family reunion. Like 60 of my family members who I love dearly are gathered together. We're giving updates, you know, people sharing what they finished that semester in college and the new kids they've had and all the great things that have happened and some of the challenges that happened. And it gets to me and I share with my family that I have decided to change my name. Not only that I decided that I have, haven't legally, you know, gone and done it with a social security office and driver's license and all this, but I made the decision. And what do you think they wanted to know? That's right. First, they wanted to know to what? <laughs> so I told them and they said, then what do you think they wanted to know? You're right. They said, why? And I had been anticipating this question, why? And I knew that if I gave the real answer, which was because I want to, that's not very satisfying. And that sounds pretty selfish. I think to some people that might sound selfish. So I shared with them other answers that were also true but not in my awareness the night I made the decision to change it, which are one of, one of them at least is this idea that any one of us is so much more than anything we could possibly use to describe ourselves, including our name. If you think of yourself as an entrepreneur, as a student, even as something that's as meaningful and maybe lifelong as a father, as a mother, as a brother, you know, as the name that you were given when you were born, that these things are merely ways of attempting to describe yourself, but in no way complete or perhaps even accurate, you know, and what is it that you ultimately want to be? And I love Tony Robbins question, you know, this ultimate destiny question, these two parts. Number one, what kind of person do you ultimately want to become in this lifetime? And number two, what do you want your life to really be about? Like really to be about that from the time you wake up without even thinking about it, you know, at a level of unconscious competence, that the things you do, they are congruent with the answer to what you have said in your ultimate destiny. And it's along the lines of what Gandhi said. I love this, that my life is my message. I mean, that is powerful. And I think it's that kind of thinking, that kind of commitment which is why you know what Mahatma means. It's not even his name. His name was Mohandas. But the people of India lovingly gave him the name or the title Mahatma, which means great spirit. That's pretty cool that he would you know, work for decades practicing nonviolence in service of a free India. You know, But again, what is your life about? What is your life a message regarding? Again, like that's a big, heavy question. I don't think it needs to be. I think it's one that's worth asking once in a while, seeing if what your previous answer was is still consistent with, you know, where you are now in life. You know, the final thing that I want to share uh, in this, there's another one, man, 
Dallin, I think if I gave you five bucks every time I did that, I probably would curtail this pretty quickly. <laughs> I'd certainly be so, counting them more. Yeah, you'd be counting more. I'd, I'd be a little poorer. So the final thing I want to share in this, in this, what do we call this, in this episode, this period of talking that I'm doing is, you know, yesterday I had a phone call with Ryan Holiday, the best-selling author someone I really respect and admire. And he did not have the phone call for free. I wish I could say that he and I were tight like that, but we're not just yet. So he charged me an amount of money, which I won't disclose. And it was money well spent, I think, for what he, what he shared with me. But I shared him some information in advance of our call about the book that I've been working to complete for the last couple of years, more than a couple this book that I'm calling Life's Best Practices. And when we got on the phone together, even though I'd sent him this information in advance, he asked me a bit about what I want to accomplish with the book. And he asked me to share with him a bit of my background, even though it was all in the stuff I'd sent him. And when I responded and I shared with him about my family, again, about the Miller family, who's one of the most recognizable families here in Utah, and about the amazing people that I've had the privilege to learn from, you know, starting with my parents, but also people that I've been able through my freedom and my financial freedom, freedom of my schedule to go travel literally around the world and, and now visit nearly 80 countries and spend time you know, learning from and getting as close to and inside the organizations of so many coaches and teachers and trainers that I respect and admire and authors and learning from them about their life journey, about what they've built, about how they've marketed it, you know, these kinds of things. People like Tony Robbins, people like Sadhguru, Werner Erhard, Marshall Goldsmith, and many, many, many more. Lynn Twist, if I start naming, I will omit people. So many people that I've learned so much from. Jack Canfield. And I was so grateful for and it has forever expanded who I know myself to be. And I believe what I am capable of doing, which again is true for all of us. We're always learning something, or we at least have the opportunity to learn something. And as, as Ryan asked me to share a bit of my background, and I hadn't originally led with that. I hadn't made that prominent in the material that I'd shared with him. And he said, I think you're burying the lead. Meaning, like a term from journalism, right? That I'm not perhaps leading with the thing that's most interesting to people. Things like the fact that my mom is listed by Forbes as the wealthiest person in Utah. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I don't look at her books. I don't know where Forbes gets their information. But the fact that that's reported on. And our family's been pretty private for as long as I've known them. And we all belong to certain tribes, certain groups. So we have this group identity. And at the same time, we yearn for our our own individual identity. In families of wealth, it's often described that as much as we're known by our last name, we want to be known by our first name, right? We love it when people know us. They recognize us. They acknowledge us. Every single person. I remember when Jack Canfield taught me that, that he said, if you interact with every single person, like they had a sign around their neck that said, please acknowledge me, <laughs> you know, that your human relations might work a little better than they do now doing whatever you're doing. Just that we all want to be known, recognized, and appreciated. And I think I've gone so far on the other way of not wanting to exploit that, take advantage of, you know, the things that my parents and again, many other people and my family have created. I endeavor to be very conscientious, very thoughtful about that. 
And ultimately, I think in some ways that's been something that I've allowed myself. It's been a way I've allowed myself to limit myself. And I know we all have a version of that. You know, what is it? Or at least I think we do. You might be the exception. But look in your own experience. What is something that you're doing that's limiting your growth, your contribution, your enjoyment? You know, is there a way in which you're holding something back? And as the coach, of course, I won't stop at what is it, but what could you do? Which really the question first is what do you want? Okay, we could ruminate on that and fixate on that and be stuck and have an analysis by paralysis party like forever. But really, I don't know that that matters that much where you're stuck or how you're holding yourself back or why until you know what is it that you want. And then it becomes interesting. Okay, now how are you keeping yourself stuck? How can you move past it? What if present would make a difference or what if absent you know, would make a difference for you? So with that, I think I'll go ahead and wrap up this this what are we calling this Dallin? <laughs> uh we there's my uh, we don't have a specific but we're putting it in this stream and I just love listening to you work things through because you're you're spot on. These are things that no matter what level we are in life we ask these questions. We yeah. question growing up in our parents' house whether they had a lot of money or not a lot of money. We question it and we yeah. mull it and how do we fit into it? So I think that these conversations are very worthwhile, and yes, they give insight to who you are, but I love how you point it back and you say, well, what is that issue in my life? Because there is. What do I hold back on that other people, it might be a benefit for them to know. Why why am I holding that back? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as the question, as far as what are you calling this, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Great conversations with with Brian. Yeah, deep, deep, deep talks. Um, there you go. So, okay, whatever we're calling this thing, this this recording, we'll come up with a name. I thank you for listening, and I want to conclude with a a marketer would call it a call to action. I'm going to call it an invitation. So, my invitation to you is, if you enjoyed this, to subscribe. You can rate, you can share on whatever podcast platform you're listening. And I invite you to visit goodliving.com to sign up for my email list. I don't like the name email list, but if you join it, you will receive, if you choose, I think you can customize your list, but this is maybe more detailed than you need, that I will send you notifications when new podcasts are released, whether they're the solo episodes or whether they are interviews I do with authors and thought leaders, I will send you invitations to events from time to time. And I will send you my weekly inspirational email that I'm calling Three Point Thursday. So with that, again, I extend to you my gratitude for listening. And I look forward to the time we connect again next. Until then, take care. Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life isn't working for many people. Whether it's in the developed world, where we're dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, divorce, jobs we hate, relationships that don't work, or people in the developing world who don't have access to clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education, or who live in conflict zones, there's a lot of people on the planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, I invite you to connect with me at goodliving.com. 
I've created Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated school, you're going through a divorce, you just got married, you're headed into retirement, you're starting a business, you just lost your job, whatever it is you're facing, I've developed a 36-week course that you go through with me and a community of achievers and seekers who are committed to improving their own lives and the lives of others. So through this online program, you will have the opportunity to go deep into every area of your life, explore life's big questions, create answers for yourself in community, get clarity and accountability. If that's something you're interested to learn about, I invite you to contact me directly at brian at brianmiller.com or by visiting goodliving.com.